This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast. Today we have Mark Shea who's going to talk to us about the fourth commandment. So Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Uh, I am a writer. I live in Seattle. I'm a, a convert to the Catholic faith. Uh, I entered the church in uh, December of 1987, uh, have lived in the Seattle area all my life. I'm married. We have uh, four uh, adult boys uh, who are out and on their own. And uh, so now I'm working at home and uh, I'm writing a book on the creed. I've written a number of books, including a book called uh, uh, Salt and Light, uh, The Commandments, The Beatitudes, and A Joyful Life. Uh, and so uh, one of the one of the things we talk about uh, in that book uh, is the fourth commandment. It covers uh, all ten of the commandments and and the beatitudes as well. Great. So I came across a post that you wrote back in two thousand and ten. That's twelve years ago, and it was entirely about the fourth commandment and um, what happens, you know, when we don't follow it and all the things related to the fourth commandment. So just tell people like for the fresher, what is the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment uh, is honor your father and your mother. There's various versions of the 10 commandments. Uh, there's, a, there's a version in uh, the book of Exodus. And there's also a version in Deuteronomy. The, the full commandment says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And I think that that's uh, very significant uh, yeah. because it uh, what the fourth what all the commandments are, are doing they're not revealing something new to uh, uh, particularly the the social commandments are not revealing something new to Israel. It's not like nobody in Israel knew you shouldn't kill people, you know. <laughs> Uh, before uh, before the Ten Commandments were revealed, uh, and the idea of uh, children honoring their parents is not something that was suddenly news to Israel uh, because of uh, the theophany on Mount Sinai. Uh, that's not what is happening with the Ten Commandments. So everybody knew that stealing was wrong. Everybody knew that adultery was wrong before the Ten Commandments were given. But what the Ten Commandments do is they root uh, the moral law that everybody knows because their mom told them that when they were, you know, five years old, don't take your sister's things, uh, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. Uh, it roots that moral law in the holiness of God who delivered Israel uh, from Egypt. So what's being revealed on Mount Sinai uh, is that the things that we know to be true through the natural law come to us from the God who revealed himself uh, uh, to Israel uh, and who will ultimately and fully reveal himself uh, in Jesus Christ uh, on the cross and in the resurrection. And so that's it's important to get that because what it means is that uh, as Paul tells us, the law is written on the heart hmm. already uh, for people who are not yet believers. Uh, the the church already had a way to had a bridge that they could 
cross to speak to. So when Paul goes to uh, Athens to speak to uh, pagans in Athens, he's able to speak to them. And, and what he tells them is, uh, God has already written his law on your hearts, that God that you worship as unknown, uh, I'm now going to proclaim to you. Uh, his name is Jesus. He was recently crucified uh, and rose from the dead uh, to take away our sins against the things that we ourselves know uh, to be, you know, to be good and right. Uh, we've all sinned. Uh, none of this is is a shock to anybody. We all know that we've done the wrong thing at some point in our lives. Uh, and the good news is God is not here to condemn us. God, as Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Uh, and so that's the good news. And so what the commandments do, what all the, the commandments do, the, the moral uh, commandments do, is they provide for us uh, a restatement of the the baseline of common human decency uh this is not the snow-capped summit of the moral life uh you know so <laughs> we we expect at the very least that you know if you if you're not going to be able to love your neighbor at least you're not going to beat him to death with a baseball bat and then run off with his wife in his car <laughs> Uh, th that's not like heroic virtue. <laughs> and, and this is what the Ten Commandments are providing for us is this sort of that it's the floor of morality. Mm -hmm. uh, the Beatitudes are what give us uh, the the heights of, of the moral life, uh, because the Beatitudes are pronouncing a blessing on things that are really hard to do. Um, uh, it's hard to be meek. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to be poor. It's hard to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's hard to be a, a peacemaker. Yeah. A lot of people don't really recognize, you know, when, when the New Testament talks to us about peacemakers, uh, it tells us that Jesus made peace through his blood. That's what it cost him to make peace. And that's what it often costs peacemakers. Just ask Martin Luther King. Just ask uh, Gandhi. Uh, uh, ask Abraham Lincoln uh, what it costs. When we look at the heights of the moral life that Jesus proclaims to us, what we see is that the Beatitudes all, pro all propose uh, blessings on things that we associate with Lent, hunger, uh, thirst, uh, being meek, uh, caring for the least of these, um, uh, loving your enemies. You know, these things are hard to do. The, the commandment to honor your father and your mother uh, comes close to that sometimes. If my father and mother were Mary and Joseph, it would be pretty easy yeah. <laughs> to, to honor your father and your mother. I mean, they're like perfect people, you know, but uh, most of us don't have fathers and mothers like that. Uh, family is complicated, which is why there's a commandment to do it. There aren't commandments for things that you're going to do anyway. There is no commandment to obey the law of gravity. You're going to do that whether you like it or not. Uh, you're going to, you know, there's no commandment to obey your hunger because when you get hungry, you're going to want something to eat and you're not going to need anybody to urge you to do that. Uh, the commandment to honor your father and mother is because sometimes that's hard to do. So let me yeah. just ask you this, right? Um, we don't I mean none of us, you know, we're not um, perfect children and we're not perfect parents. 
And right. our family is very similar to the biblical family, which is very chaotic and very complex. Um, yeah. So with all of its problems, how does anybody actually honor their father and mother? And how do they sin against this commandment? To honor someone is to uh, give them the respect that they are due in their office. We, we are called to uh, honor all, all human beings because they're human beings. That's the reason. Uh, merely the fact that we are creatures made in the image and likeness of God is in itself sufficient cause to render uh, those human beings some kind of honor. Uh, now, of course, there you're going to find human beings who uh, are in the you know in the business of making themselves radically unworthy of honor mm -hmm. uh uh th thieves and you know violent people and liars and you know and all of that sort of thing uh and our parents might be like that sometimes you know not everybody has great parents sometimes we have abusive parents um but the the command to honor goes to the to the root of our own humanity uh, because at the very least, we owe our parents our lives. We exist because of them. And the mere fact uh, that we exist is already cause to honor them in some way. As to the particular ways that we honor our parents, those can be as varied as our family relationships. Different cultures show honor in different ways, for example. So you know, I'm a suburban white American living in Seattle. The way that I honor my parents, who are deceased, by the way. So how do I, you know, how do you honor your parents in that case? Mm -hmm. They can't directly receive those honors. Whereas your parents, you sound like you come from an Indian background. Yeah. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. So, you know, your, your, your culture's way of honoring parents may be very different from mine. Uh, and if your parents are alive, the way in which you can honor them is different than the way in which I can honor my parents. I, I can honor my parents, and I do, uh, through my prayers. I, you know, I, I pray for the repose of their souls, and that is a way of honoring them. How you honor uh, parents as uh, a Catholic from uh, an Indian background may be very different. Uh, and of course, there may be similarities, and there are, there are common ways that we honor our parents. We try to do what they ask us to do if it's within reason. Uh, we, you know, we try to obey our parents, for example. So if they ask you to come over and you know help with the the gardening or something, you know, uh, you 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 try to help them in in that way. As they get older one of the things that often falls to children is care for our parents. You know, they reach an age where, uh, you know, as has been said, you know, for, for the first, you know, 30 years of, of our lives, our parents carry us. Uh, and then toward the end, we carry them because they can't do it anymore. Uh, so these can be ways of honoring them. Another thing that uh, the church points out, which I think is profound, and it's the reason I think that this commandment has that addendum about uh, your days being long in the land, which the Lord your God gives you, is that honoring one's parents, honoring one's mothers and fathers uh, extends to more than just our biological parents. We are the heirs of an entire civilization that was handed to us by those who came before. 
uh, we've been handed. Uh, in, it's impossible to to describe the 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 enormity of the debt that we owe those who have gone before us. We don't just owe our lives to our parents. We owe those who came before us uh, the music of J.S. Bach uh, and quantum physics uh, and pneumatic drills and the internal combustion engine and the English language. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you could just you, you could never come to the end of the things that we owe. I remember hearing Milton Friedman one time talking about what it takes to make a pencil. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if you and I had to suddenly create a pencil, mm -hmm. we would be helpless. There's nothing we could do. And, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a million things out there uh, that those who came before us have just handed to us. Yeah. Here, have smoke alarms <laughs> and architecture. Yeah. <laughs> and you know green lawns and antibiotics and all of these things that we owe the generations that came before us and so one of the fundamental things that we can do to honor our parents is cultivate a spirit of gratitude mm -hmm. because we have been handed so much uh that we that we we don't even we're not even aware of how much we've been handed you know the fact that you're wearing clean clothes right now and that somebody learned how to mass produce those things uh is just it's a huge gift to you you would never be able to do any of that by yourself and so that attitude uh of of gratefulness of gratitude for all those who have come before us more than just our parents uh, is included in the commandment to honor your father and your mother. And of course, it carries with it an obligation for us to, to pay it forward to our children and to the children of the human race. Uh, there are things, you, you're making a podcast right now. You couldn't, if your life depended on it, describe how the technology that you're using to make this podcast works much less recreate it yourself you you know i i don't know how it works either it, it, you know and, and um but because you've been handed this technology uh you are now able to pay it forward by for example making this podcast where we get to talk about the word of god for the benefit of total strangers out there who are gonna hear this uh people that i will never know uh are gonna listen to this and uh, people that you never know are going to listen to this and god willing uh the spirit of god will work through uh the proclamation of the word to bless them uh, and make them better able to honor their parents to bless their children as well and so what the commandment to honor our father and our mother is doing is it's helping to foster these bonds of community that hold the entire human race together yeah. which is how it's it's the creation of that kind of community that makes it possible for our days to be long in the land which the lord our god gives us uh and conversely speaking of sinning against the commandment to reject that to reject uh, the honor due our parents, uh, to reject the honor due those who came before us, mm. is to set ourselves up for destruction. Mm. Uh, it's not 
and this is not you know, some people hear this this commandment you know honor your father your mother that your days may be long in the land which the lord your god gives you as a kind of a threat you know if you don't honor your father and your mother then god is going to smite you in some way which is you know that's a terrible thing to hear if your parents were abusive parents sometimes people have to get away from their parents uh, they've got to do it to protect themselves they've got to do it to protect their families uh and it is not the case that God is going to smite you because you did that. Uh, if you're if you're getting away from an abusive situation, you know we can hear about these horrible stories on the news of parents who did hideous things to their children. Uh, that is not something that God is God's not going to punish you. Um, but if we have lives where we are incapable of seeing the good that has been handed to us by those who came before us, we, uh, we guarantee social destruction because the bonds that hold a community together are what protect us. And, you know, I, I remember hearing there's a podcaster, a guy named uh, John Green. Uh, and he was, somebody was asking him, you know, why do you believe in paying taxes for schools? Which is a way both of, of, uh, uh, handing on what what do schools do? They hand on the things that uh, previous generations have handed down to us, right? And of course, they hand they pay it forward. That's what a school does. So John Green's answer to the question, "Why do you like paying taxes for public schools? Wouldn't you rather keep your money?" He said very simply, "I don't want to live in a community with a bunch of stupid people, <laughs> because a community." populated by stupid people is a community that is in grave danger uh, of being taken advantage of, of being destroyed, of not knowing its own past, of having nothing to hand down. Uh, and, and so the commandment to honor your father and your mother is a commandment to be grateful for what we have been handed and a commandment that reminds us and reminds our children uh, the day is going to come when we're going to need the kind of care that those who came before us have given us. And it's kind of a, a reverse thing as well, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it also showcases that God has a model, a model for a family, which will be the model for the church, will be the model for the country, will be a model for the society. And, yes. And the more that you invest in this, this relationship with the parents and the more the parents invest in this relationship with the children, the more blessing that is going to come from, from all of them. Yes, yes, yes. And this is why the church calls the family um, the, the first school of charity. Mm, yes. This, this yes. is where we learn how to love, uh, is in families. And healthy families where parents love their children and love one another and model that uh, are families that are going to produce uh, uh, healthy people. And, you know, a, a Christian family can, can produce saints. Yeah. Because that's what we're doing as parents. Okay. Is, yeah. Parents are participants uh, in the utterly unique act of bringing another human being, another immortal soul into the world. Uh, a, a creature which uh, C.S. Lewis uh, remarks uh, in his wonderful, wonderful um, uh, essay, The Weight of Glory, uh, he says that uh, you and I have never met 
an ordinary person. There are no ordinary people. Uh, he says, uh, nations, civilizations, arts, cultures, these things are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, but it is immortals that we work with, joke with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors, he says, are everlasting splendors. Every person that you meet, uh, including your children uh, and including your parents, is one day going to be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would either be strongly tempted to worship or else an immortal horror uh, such as you now meet only in a nightmare. He says, all day long, we are helping one another to one or the other of those destined. And so that puts parenting in a whole new light. <laughs> uh, uh, because every time a child is born, that every time a child is conceived, that is what is happening, is a, a, an immortal creature is being brought into, into existence. And we have the unbelievable honor of being part of that. Uh, and, and so as children of parents, uh, that's, that's a huge thing to be grateful for, uh, that they did that, that they were willing to make this sacrifice so that, you know, we could eat up a huge amount of their, their sleep time when we were small children, and we could, you know, go through the crises that we went through as teens and they were there for us. They, they listened to us. They helped us. And yeah, they, they did it badly <laughs> sometimes, you know, cause, cause they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They're, it's not like, you know, sure. There are like books out there that help you with parenting, but it's an amateur sport. Um, it's not like, and this is a hard thing for us to realize uh, as we're growing up is that our parents are not all knowing beings. Mm um they're making this up as they go along and they don't know what to do you know when uh their child comes to them with some problem that they weren't prepared for uh, and so you know one of the one of the works of us as adult children is coming to realize as we all have to do that yeah sometimes our parents failed but uh so often they were trying so hard and so one way of honoring them is forgiving them. You know, there are places where, yeah, they sinned against us, um, but they were trying. And that's a way of, of honoring them as well. And you can do that whether they're living or dead. You can, you can forgive uh, those places where they, yeah, they, they sinned, you know, or they just, they just screwed up. They weren't trying to wrong you. They, they just blew it. And that happens. I'm glad you mentioned the virtue of charity because um, honoring, I, I read about this elsewhere as well, that honoring your father and mother, it teaches you the, the virtue of charity and not love. And that's another thing about the Ten Commandments is that God orders us to first love God and then to honor your parents and not love your parents and then honor God. So what do you think? Yes, yes, uh, it's very true. Uh, you know, in the end, our relationship with our parents, like every other relationship that we have, is mediated through God in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, whether we know who Jesus is or not, by the way, our capacity, because we're made in the image and likeness of that Trinitarian God, uh, our relationships are mediated through that Trinitarian God, whether, they, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so coming 
to understand, uh, you know, as, as Jesus tells us, that the two greatest commandments are, first of all, love God, uh, and second of all, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, in the end, yes, there's always going to be uh, that parent-child relationship, uh, but also in the end, we come to a place where we realize that our parents are our neighbor as well as our parents, uh, that they are weak, mortal flesh like us, like any other person that we meet, that they have their virtues, they have their, uh, their flaws. And, and so we do come to a place where we, we carry them as they carried us. That can be really healing. You know, when my, when my mother was dying, she was kind of in and out of consciousness. And there was this kind of amazing moment. Uh, <laughs> my oldest son, his name is Luke. My oldest son looks a lot like me. <laughs> uh, one time I was, I was out, we were swimming uh, in, in Lake Washington, down at the south end of Lake Washington here in Seattle. And there was this guy on the dock uh, and he yelled, uh, he yelled to us and he said, hey, are you guys brothers? <laughs> and i looked at the guy and i started laughing i said god bless you sir <laughs> and then i i'm 63 years old and my son is 30 years younger than me you know and, and uh i said you know actually he's my dad and, uh, <laughs> so so he luke came down to visit my mom just a couple of days before she died she was she was in hospice care and we were sitting there, you know, he was on one side of the bed and I was on the other side. And uh, my mom was mostly, you know, dozing. Yeah. But at one point she opened her eyes and she, she happened to be turned toward Luke. Mm -hmm. And she looked at Luke and she said, oh, hello, Mark. And Luke was, you know, <laughs> amused. And I was amused, but there's, a, there's something strangely beautiful about that, mm -hmm. that um, she saw me in yeah. him. Yeah. And, and he was me for her uh, at that moment. Uh, and so he smiled back at her and, you know, they had this, they had this moment and then she kind of drifted back to sleep. And, you know, this is, this is how the human family goes. Yeah. Uh, and we're tied together by these strange bonds of love. And the what's what's really also striking, and it's because of this, of course, the the church teaches that the family is the basic building block of human society. Uh, that as the family goes, so goes the nation. If you destroy the family, you destroy the nation. That's yeah. you know that's a simple fact. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know one of the things I wrote a book on Catholic social teaching called "The Church's Best Kept Secret," and one of the points that I make in in that book is simply that. Catholic social teaching in huge measure, uh, Catholic social teaching says, if it's good for the family, it's good. Mm. Uh, and so these, these familial bonds are hugely important. But it, what's also interesting is that although the church says that, the church also does something really striking. And you can see it in the teaching of Jesus. The church insists that the family is the basic building block of society. Mm -hmm. But then the church says building blocks, however, are for building 
They are not to be ends in themselves. And so what Jesus does very consistently in the gospel is he says of the family that it's hugely important, but it is not more important than the kingdom of God. And if it becomes more important than the kingdom of God, and this, by the way, was the very first threat that the church encountered, was the tendency to exalt family ties, tribal ties, ethnic ties, blood ties over the ties that the gospel calls us to have through the Holy Spirit. That's what uh, the, the first council of the church was all about. Mm. You have to become Jewish before you become Christian. Mm. And the emphatic answer of the church was no. What brings us into the kingdom of God and what binds us together is the Holy Spirit, not blood ties. And we have seen in the 20th century in particular, we saw what happened when uh, mere blood, mere ethnicity became the most important thing. That's, that was what drove the Nazis. Uh, that's what has driven uh, you know, genocidal uh, acts, uh, Turks against Armenians, uh, Hutus against Tutsis, uh, it's what drove in our own country. Uh, it, it drove uh, 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 chattel slavery. Uh, it drove the genocide of Native Americans. All of these things were the exaltation of blood and family over the kingdom of God. Uh, and so the command to honor our father and our mother stops when it becomes pitted against the love of God uh, and the love of neighbor. That's that's the limit on that command uh, is if you start putting tribe and blood and ethnicity and family over the command of God. And so you see Jesus saying uh, very shockingly uh, to his own culture uh, that I have come not to give, bring peace, but a sword that the members of a man's own family will be his enemies. Uh, and so these that's still very shocking for us to hear, but it's because the family, precisely because the family is a building block of the kingdom of heaven, that it can't replace the kingdom of heaven. It has to be uh, ordered toward the kingdom of heaven. It has to be ordered toward first the love of God and then the love of neighbor. So in your post, actually, I remember uh, reading through it and at the very end, you said, you know, we, we risk not honoring our parents and the generation that went before us at our own peril. And the boomer generation did that. And now, uh, you know, a new generation has come and we're, we're all making the same mistakes, technically. Uh, but what happens now when we do not honor and we don't follow this, this commandment, especially because this is the only commandment that has um, the second addendum of, of, of promise to it that no other commandment. Right. Uh, well, destruction happens. Uh, destruction of the family <laughs> it results in misery. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, uh, you know, the way sin works, we often have this notion that God is like, just waiting for us to sin so he can punish us, <laughs> you know, and that's just not true. Uh, Jesus did, Jesus did not die to save us from his father. Jesus died to save us from sin because sin is its own punishment. That's the weird thing about sin. Uh, is, you know, we think that if we could just get away with sin, then we can be happy. But that's like thinking if I could just touch this hot iron, mm -hmm. I will finally have what I want, you know, 
it's not it, you're you're not gonna like it and and the reason that sin is uh, forbidden by god is not because he's just got these weird arbitrary rules mm -hmm. uh that you know if, if you just don't like this thing for some reason that i i can't even describe to you mm -hmm. uh you know that's not it mm -hmm. um the the command to honor father and mother is there because it will lead us to happiness mm -hmm. that's the reason for it is because god wants us to be happy uh, and so we are called to honor our father and our mother uh, and, and all those who have come before us uh, out of gratitude for what we've been given. And gratitude is something that brings us joy when we really realize that these are it's, you know, it's, I, I once took a walk. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I went and saw the movie Inside Out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it's a it's a Pixar movie. It's well worth seeing, and a lot of it is simply about it's literally about sort of the inner workings of this uh, preteen girl's mind. Uh, and and what I got from it was, what if I, I as I walked home from the theater where mm -hmm. I saw it, I thought to myself, what if I just tried to think of everything I've ever received uh throughout my life that i'm grateful for and i just kind of started doing this inventory you know going back as far as i could my earliest memory is uh of me sitting in a high chair with my mother spooning custard into my mouth <laughs> and i remember thinking to myself at that age and i was probably younger than two but I remember thinking to myself that I liked the sound of the word custard. And so I just started there and I started thanking God for custard and the sound of the word custard and the memory of that high chair and that place in the house where I was born and just started moving forward. And it was one of the most delightful evenings I've ever spent was walking home, simply thinking about every single weird little thing that I could think of from my past. Uh, and so much of, of it, of course, involved my parents uh, and my older brothers. Uh, and really taking an inventory of our lives in that way, what really struck me was, yes, there were times in my childhood where I endured different traumas and, you know, I had to have my tonsils out and uh, <laughs> things that my dad did that hurt me and stuff like that you know but what really stuck out for me when i did it was how that was so uncommon and that most of my childhood was amazingly blessed mm -hmm. and my adult years the same thing because i tried to you know bring it as far forward as i could uh and i had like you know 50 years of stuff to be grateful for i got as far as the eighth grade by the time I got home. And uh, it's a, it is a, it is an exercise worth doing. Just thanking God for everything that you can think of in your life that you've ever experienced that you're grateful for. You know, I saw the Aurora Borealis once. <laughs> wow, you know, <laughs> how wonderful, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and, and just all kinds of weird things that, that you have forgotten about. Um, and wonderful, uh, moments that you've had that 
they came and went and they were wonderful at the time, but then, you know, life moved on and other stuff happened. We got bills to pay and all that stuff. And you can, you can forget. Yeah. I'm looking at, you know, as we're talking on the phone right now, <laughs> I'm looking out my window at this beautiful camellia bush <laughs> that is just there free of charge, you know, putting on this show for me. Uh, God made these yeah. spectacular flowers that, you know, I don't know how he did it, but wow. You know, and I get to look at that for free of charge, you know, how wonderful. Uh, and, and so that kind of gratitude, so much of that goes back to our parents who made these sacrifices and, you know, did these dad do this thing that you've done 60 times or swing me around <laughs> again, you know? <laughs> Okay, you know, <laughs> and having been a dad, you know, now I know a lot of the, you know, dad, dad, look, dad, 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 and you're like doing something else, but your kid did a refrigerator magnet drawing and he really wants you to see it. And so you go and look, you know, and uh, it's a big thing when you're two years old and you're, and your dad pays attention to this, <laughs> this dumb thing that you care about, you know, and and that's, you know, that's what our parents did for us. And they got up in the middle of the night and they cleaned up puke and they, you know, uh, well, these, uh, these yeah, all of these, invented, yeah. these little sacrifices that they made because they loved you. And wow, you know. So just since you have like so much of experience I mean, as a parent, um, as a last question, let me ask for those people who are struggling. And I know in different areas, everybody's struggling with their parents. Um, but for those people who are really struggling, maybe their parents have gone, maybe they're there, maybe they're living far apart, or they're not in talking terms. How do you suggest that they begin, or in their hearts at least, they start to honor their parents? Can they do it only with prayer? Do they do it with uh, some sort of um, counseling? Or what would you suggest from personal experience that they do start small somewhere? I'm reluctant to give out too much free advice to people who have suffered things that I have not. So my parents, for example, were never divorced. That's not true of 50% of American, uh, you know, 50% of American marriages end in divorce. I never experienced that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, speaking from things that I did experience, you know, because everybody I think does have wounds from their parents of some kind. So, you know, what I did was the first thing that I did was I sought counseling. There is so many people are afraid to do that because what if people find out, mm. you know, that I'm dealing with trauma? Mm. Well, no, no one will judge you. No. And if they do, they're idiot uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, we, we all have trauma. And so if you cut your finger, if you break your leg and you go to the doctor, are you, would you feel shame? about going to the doctor because you needed treatment for a physical wound? No, of course not. You, you got to do that, you know? Well, it's exactly the same thing for an emotional or mental wound. There's no shame in that. Uh, I, partly it's physiological, uh, inherited from my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, I struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a form of mental illness. Uh, but so what? There's no shame in that. It's a physiological thing. It's, it's partly it's for a shades, it's a brain chemistry thing. So I go and I get treated for it. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is no shame at all 
in first of all going and getting help because a lot of times we don't know what to do i you know i don't know what to do my parents split up and i'm in anguish uh and i've been in anguish for years and i don't know what to do about it then get some help for it because there are tons of resources we are living uh in a time where we know more now yeah about uh uh, mental and physical health than we have ever known in our entire history. Uh, so avail yourself of those resources. There is no shame in that. Uh, and as you do that, uh, especially if you're a Catholic, uh, avail yourself of the sacraments, uh, including, by the way, uh, the, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people have a superstition that you have to be at death's door. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. To, they think, yeah. To, yeah, to to get the anointing of the sick, get the anointing of the sick for mental health issues too. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Uh, it's there to help you. Uh, and above all, the Eucharist. Uh, bring your parents uh, in prayer to the Eucharist and ask for the graces not only that you need for the pain that you're dealing with but also for what they need that's a way of honoring your father and mother yeah so i mean these are things that i've done so that's why i recommend them because i found them helpful and i think it's uh, at most parishes at every first friday there is usually an anointing of the sick and they ask they usually announce so that anybody and everybody of any age or any background can just come in and you can get yourself anointed. yeah and it's a it is a huge source of healing. I can yes. tell you that from yeah. personal experience. Exactly. Um, you know, that's uh, the, the the sacraments are not they're not the only place that you can encounter the mm -hmm. grace of God. Certainly yeah. God is God. He can do whatever he likes. But here's what they are. They are the sure places that you will encounter the grace of God. Um, you, when you go to the sacraments, you are meeting Jesus Christ there and he is meeting you. Uh, and, uh, you can, you can draw on that. And that is a huge thing that we Catholics should take copious advantage of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Mark, thank you so much for talking to us about the fourth commandment. Uh, tell people where they can find you and your books online. You can find my books uh, online. You can find them at my blog. Mm -hmm. uh, my blog is www.markpshea, all one word, S-H-E-A, dot com. Uh, I have, the blog is called Stumbling Towards Heaven. You can find that. Uh, you can find my books there as well. You can also find my books at uh, Amazon. And if people want to get in touch with you on social media, are you anywhere out there? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and at my blog, uh, Stumbling Towards Heaven. Okay, great. So all the best, Mark, with the new book that's going to come. And thank you so much for talking. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.